This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Well, thank you so much, Sid, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today for Messianic Vision. We've all heard the story of the shepherd boy, David, who would take down a giant and who would become a king. Now, that's a really great story, right? Yes, yes, it is. But what does it really have to do with you and with me? I'm going to say more than you think, (laughs) more than you think. Our guest today and his wife are pastors of Destiny Christian Church in Delaware. He's known for his powerful books, teachings, and accurate prophetic words to individuals, to churches, business leaders, even nations. And he is literally one of the forefathers of prophetic evangelism, training, empowering, and activating thousands around the world. Please welcome our guest today, Dale Mast. Hi, Dale. Hi, it's great to be with you today. Well, it's so nice to have you with us, sir. I've just been studying and reading this material that you're going to be providing for everybody and just learning about you and your ministry. I want to thank you for that so much. Well, you know what? One of the most... Uh, listened to and told and read stories in the Bible, David and Goliath. Everybody has heard it. But you know what? David experienced so many amazing moments in his life, but they weren't all good. He also experienced other things, right? He did. And, and you know, when I used to think of David, I used to think, well, he had sort of like a silver spoon in mm. his mouth. He was the he was the all-time hero. Everything went his way. And I feel like I have to work through all this stuff. And David just had a clear slate and uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Mm, Yes, yes. There's a line that you said that I feel like is just amazing. You said, because for every step that God was establishing David's identity, and that's the identity we know him for today, because that's how we see him as the hero that took down Goliath. But you said for every step that God was establishing his identity, the enemy was trying to steal it. Whew, and we are going to be talking about that today. Dale, for those of you that are listening that may not know you, I know you were raised Mennonite. You gave your heart to Jesus at 12. And after receiving Jesus, you actually had an open vision and saw yourself preaching to millions and millions of people. But when you were spirit-filled, you're in college during the charismatic outpouring in 1971. Tell mm-hmm. me about being spirit filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, being raised in the church, uh, I felt that a lot of people were bored and I wanted adventure and I didn't want to be a hellraiser, but I I just felt like maybe I just did not want to waste my time in church. And uh, But when I went to this meeting, the power of the Holy Spirit touched me and it was like the love of Father God just overtook me and it ruined me for anything else. <laughs> And uh, it was, I was so swallowed up and uh, we were so excited. There was actually about five colleges where the spirit of God fell on simultaneously during this move of the charismatic movement. We actually canceled classes three days at uh, 
Eastern Mennonite uh, College, now university, and people were just gathering and sharing testimonies, going into town, witnessing to people. So it was a very dynamic experience. Yes, yes. Well, we said that that the statement that you made about David, that that um, God was preparing him for his identity, but Satan was constantly trying to steal it. It sounds like that happened to you just a few weeks after you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You were out with some other college students traveling around in the area churches. And what experience did you have? Well, I was actually... Uh, went to sleep that night and we were put up by people in the church. And so my friend and I, we actually were sleeping in this younger boy's room as there was about probably six of us at the house. They were stuffing us in. And in that night, I felt this satanic darkness come toward me in a dream. Now, I was just a brand new spirit-filled Christian in terms of spirit-filled. I accepted Jesus at 12. But as it came toward me, I knew it was coming to destroy me. And I just put up my hand, sort of shaking, said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And I was shaking, I think, more than the devil was. <laughs> and I said it the second time. The third time, I said it with authority, and it left. And the wind, I, I sat straight up in bed. Now, the thing was interesting. Before I woke up, the second, I said, if this gets any worse, I'm waking up Dwayne, and I'm going to have him start praying for me. I knew he was there. And I said, I remember people said, use the name of Jesus. And the third time I did it, uh, it left, I sat up in bed, and I heard the wind blowing, and I heard this whistle. And so when I went out of the room, the young boy who we had his room, he said, why were the two of you yelling at each other last night? I said, we weren't yelling at all. I didn't <laughs> even put it together. And then I said, man, it was really windy last night, just over breakfast, and all of us around the table, the man said, it's impossible. All the leaves are on top of the roof. There was no wind. And all of a sudden, it hit me that I had entered into a spiritual battle by being filled with the Holy Spirit and moving into my call. Yes, yes. Well, I know that's something that all of us have to face at some times, and, and you did what you knew. You used the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, leave. And even though the enemy was warring for your soul, he didn't win, and we are so thankful today. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about spiritual gifting, because as I said, so Dale, you haven't been with us before, so for those that don't know you or not familiar with your ministry, I'm sure they will be uh, after this, but but you move in prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. You've prophesied over pastors about the move of God in their lives, Fortune 500 company owners who are worth millions millions and millions of dollars and counseled people who've actually counseled presidents and leaders of countries. So you've been doing this a long time. And I ask you, so if you could give me one amazing miracle, I know there's so many, what would you say? Tell us about that one amazing miracle you told me. Well, the one amazing miracle was one I didn't choose. I was in this church, small church, and I'm prophesying to this couple. And while I'm prophesying, I'm seeing a boy and a girl run around them. And I said, well, you have two children. And they said, no, we don't. And uh, I said, well, why did I see a boy and a girl running around? And the pastor said, we've been praying for them for 11 years. They're barren and they want to have children. Go ahead and pray. And I said, I told God, I said, God, I don't do the baby thing. I know people that pray for <laughs> people that pray and there's women that pray and and they, they have babies, but the, I don't do that. And I turned around and I thought, well, you know, Benny Hinn isn't here and Oral Roberts. And sometimes it's just you and Jesus. Some of you need to remember this. Sometimes you're the best thing God has right there. 
So the Lord said to me, he said, Dale, would I do the baby thing. Would you let me do it through you? And so I prayed, mm. I prophesied, and uh, I didn't even feel really feel a lot of anointing. I felt more intrepidation. And a year later, I went back to that church and the pastor grabbed my hand and said, I'm going to, I'm going to show you two miracles. And here they had had twins, a boy and a girl, the 12th year. And the reason I'm telling this story, some of you listening think, well, you know, God could never use me to do that. Don't limit him. He does it. He just liked to have somebody to do it through. And sometimes you're the only available person being available is actually sometimes more important than being anointed. Yes. You'll be anointed, but you have to be available and just say, God, would you do it through me? Yes. Wow. What a lesson, Dale. And you're like, you know, God, mm, I don't really do the baby thing. And his answer to you just hit me. Oh, that's okay if you don't do it, but will you let me do it through you? Wow. And it all started by seeing that in the spirit. So a lot of times when people say they see in the spirit, they talk about it as if it is a movie they're watching. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, how do you describe the way you see in the spirit? I like to make it easier. The way I see, it's like it comes to me in images. It's like the imagination. I see it in pictures and I can't totally explain it, but I'm going to tell you this. It is not as literal as... Uh, like that I that I see it like written in stone, but it comes to my spirit and I and I see it in the spirit realm. The reason I'm saying this is so many people feel like, God, give me a word. But in the Corinthians, first Corinthians, it talks about uh, chapter two, nine through 15. It says, because we have the Holy Spirit, we have the thoughts of God. A lot of people don't want to take the energy to take a thought like an old Polaroid camera. Remember, mm -hmm. you take a thought, you oh, develop yes. it into a word. So what happens, God will give you a picture. And if you'll let it develop it, a thought, he'll give you a thought. You let him by the Holy Spirit develop it into a word that you give to somebody. And I can't tell you how many times I'll get this thought. And the Lord said, will you take that thought and turn it into a word? Or do I have to give you verbatim where you repeat I like to work with people and I like to work through people. I give you a mind. I give you a spirit. And I'm going to give you thoughts from heaven. The whispers of heaven are very powerful. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you know what? I really want to dig in to the, the, the topic of your book. And it is, And David Perceived he was king. Now, I look at that title and I'm going, mm, let me think about that. Let me, st let me study that a little bit. What are you talking about there, Dale? Well, first of all, we need to back up and realize that every time David went forward, it was something was taken from him. So we have to go back to the beginning. God chose David Mm -hmm. But his father, his own father, overlooked him. When the prophet came, Samuel, and said, would you gather your sons because I'm going to choose who's going to be the next king? Jesse did not even entertain David. That's right. And in it, one of the reasons that some theologians believe is when David said in Psalms, I was conceived in sin, uh, that actually that Jesse was a son of a handmaiden. And so by by law, he would not have had a full inheritance. He would have not been seen as a king. And so therefore, he would not be called in. And if you think about this, uh, to be overlooked by your father is a major trauma. Mm. And uh, in it, uh, I'm going to say this to everyone listening, actually, your opinion of yourself 
is often not God's opinion. So that's what we're going after in this identity. But think about this, David, he, he became the hero when he killed Goliath, but then he became the hunted villain. He was promised the king's daughter, uh, Merib, not Michael, Merib, the oldest daughter, hand in marriage. And on his wedding day, that he was supposed to marry her, she was given to another man mm. on his wedding day. And everybody knew it was supposed to be his wife. But actually, this is the problem. David started it. He stood in front of Saul after killing Goliath. Now think about this. He had enough faith to kill Goliath. And really, I want to give a caveat here. David knew he could not die in front of Goliath. Otherwise, the prophecy of him being the next king could not be fulfilled. This fight was rigged prophetically. Yes. As he, as he ran toward Goliath, there was no way he could lose. I believe this. David threw the sling and God landed the stone, I think it was probably the biggest curve ever seen. It out even did baseball. <laughs> you know, D David was not good with a sling. He was a musician. The Benjamites were good with a sling. So it, so, but he took what he had and God made it work. But after enough faith to face Goliath, when King Saul said, uh, I'm gonna give you my daughter's hand in marriage, and this is what David said, well, who am I and who's my family? He never brought up his inferiority or his unimportance when he was talking about Goliath. He said, I've killed the lion and the bear. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize, David, if you marry the king's daughter, that sets you up to be the next king. Yes. And David said, uh, who am I and who's my family? In other words, he didn't feel worthy. And King Saul looked at him. And he realized there was a weakness there. But the bigger problem, God looked down at David and said, David, I anointed you with the greatest prophet to say you're the next king. You're putting the majesty of King Saul above my prophecy. So what you've put above my prophecy, I'm going to let it chase you till you agree with me. Some of our <laughs> yes. greatest problems, we started by not agreeing with God. Mm. Yes, yes. Wow. Boy, some of these things, you really do have to take a moment and let that sink in. So let's talk about that a little bit, Dale. What do you mean when you say, coming off of that statement, you know, some of our, our biggest problems come for us not agreeing with God. What do you mean when you say it's time to revision your life? What does that mean? Well, I remember when God spoke to me about 10 years ago, he said, Dale, if you would agree with me about you, we could go places, but you don't agree with me about you. And I immediately felt so convicted. And the first thing I had to get rid of was religious humility of I'm nothing. See, if you say you're nothing, I don't care who you are. What you're telling God is, God, your creative anointing, you made nothing. And it's actually a judgment against God's creativity. It is actually not godly or humility. It's sort of demon dumb. That's what I call it, mm. to say I'm nothing. When we realize that he made us in his likeness and image, and he made us with part of his genius in us. And so everybody has part of God's genius in them to do a certain thing. And all of us have it in different ways. And everybody has something to give to somebody else. Yes. That's part of God's genius. Well, if, if God said to you, whether it be audibly or spirit or however you received this statement from God, if, if you would see yourself the way I do, we could go places. What was your response? 
Well, I started repenting and I said, God, show me every ungodly belief I have about myself. And he started showing me where I didn't feel worthy to be in certain circles or that that uh, my gift was, I had a, I mean, I was good. I was a good preacher, prophet, but he was saying, no, Dale, you're not, you're not good. You're anointed. Mm. See, good is not God's plan. Anointed is God's plan. And actually, I, the Lord said to me, he said, how do you see yourself, Dale? He said, uh, when he said that to me, I thought, I see myself above average. And the Lord just spoke in my spirit. He brought scriptures back to me. And he said, I have two problems with that, Dale. Above average, I did not die for you to be above average. I died for you to win. Wow. And when you say you're above average, what you're doing, you're comparing yourself to someone else instead of what I've called you to do. You're living, and the Bible says when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we are unwise. And some of you, you're saying, I know I'm above average, a little bit below average. No, Jesus didn't die for that. He died for you to win. This is a very important thing. When God created us, we were created winners Sin made us losers. We were born again so we could win again. I get my right back to win when I was born again, but I'm not a loser that got saved. I was the winner that went under the effect of sin, and I lost my winning ability, but through Jesus, I get my winning ability back. It's very important that we see ourselves as winners that we were created not that we were losers that just got saved. Does yes. that make sense yes, to you? Yes, uh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So we are talking about identity. And to me, this sounds like it's life-changing. I mean, this this is a key that will actually allow you to step in a supernatural realm in your own life. What's supernatural about knowing your identity, Dale? I mean, it's okay to go, oh, yeah, you need to know your identity in the Lord. What What is the, the bottom line of that? Why is it so supernatural to know that? Well, first of all, it's practical as well as supernatural. I always give this example. How many people have used a knife for a screwdriver? Or men, you've used a screwdriver as a chisel. It, you can make it work but that's not its purpose and that's not where its anointing is. So the truth is uh, we were each designed by God with a special genius. And when I understand what he made me for, when I, uh, when I, I start receiving my assignments based on my identity and I come under the strongest anointing. Now in it, I wanna just clarify, David was a shepherd, then he was a musician, and actually he was playing his harp while he was watching the sheep. When he was playing the harp in front of King Saul, he was learning how to be king. He was actually in 101 kingship. Mm -hmm. As he's watching King Saul telling people what to do, right. he's playing the harp, but he's learning how to king. Then he became a warrior as he defeated Goliath. He not only gained, and this is a part I wanna say, every victory is actually by God designed to change your identity so you don't see that as an exception, but what he made you for. So when David defeated Goliath, he then gained the right to lead the armies into battle because all of the men who were warriors twice as old as him, three times as old, because he defeated Goliath, they would, they would follow him into battle because of the anointing, not his age, not his experience. And David saw himself as a leader of armies, but 
when he became king, now think about this, he's struggling because he's been anointed. And if you go into the story, the scripture, it says when King Hiram, which means my brother's helper, when he built him literally a palace, that's when David understood that his kingship was established, that it was not going to be something that he had that was taken. Remember, he led the armies, mm-hmm. then he was chased by the armies. Right. He defeated the Philistines. Now he's hiding among the Philistines as King Saul is hunting him. His life is pretty crazy. You ever been in a place where your life seems it doesn't make sense? But when it doesn't make sense, God is making you for your what he called you to be and to do. Because David, he could have stopped and said, you know, I'm going to cut worship albums for integrity. And he'd have, he'd had a great <laughs> career, but missed God. He could have said, you know, I'm going to be a warrior. He was anointed to be king of Israel because he was God's answer to restore worship to Israel. And the if he would have waited to worship until he became king, he would have missed it. But his worship, as he was out with the sheep, what gave him authority and his identity as king to lead the nation back into worship. Worship so deep. I want to just think think about this. Worship so deep. In the New Testament, we're still trying to rebuild the tabernacle of David. David jumped forward over covenant and through intimacy with God and did something the church is trying to catch up to. Wow. So you're you're talking about assignments and identity. And so when we know When we know what God's assignments are for us, then we can step into the anointing that he gives over us for those assignments. You you gave me an analogy when we were talking before. It was just, I mean, it was such a great picture. I'm a huge baseball fan. So how does that, how does that fit? Well, if somebody says they're a professional baseball player, the first question everybody asks them is, what position do you play? Right. It just, and see, so if you ask a Christian, what's your identity? They say, well, I'm a son and a daughter. That's foundational, but what's your position as a son and a daughter? Mm. Now let's go to the baseball, back to the baseball. So if somebody gets a multi-million dollar contract to be a pitcher and they decide, you know, I really don't want to pitch. I want to play first base. If they refuse, to play the position they are paid for, they will lose their contract. And if the coach, if his voice does not keep the players where they belong, this team will lose. You can take a World Series team, you can take all the same talented people, put them all in the wrong positions, and they will lose horribly every game. So one of the problems in the body of Christ, we have people saying, I just wish I could be on the worship team. Well, the fact that you can hit three notes out of five is a clue (laughs) that you don't belong on the worship team. You could be one of the greatest worshipers, but don't put you on a mic. How about this? You'd be the best door greeter in the entire Mm. state. Yes. And when you shake hands with a person, actually, if there's depression, it falls off of them. You've prayed before you greet people at the door. You're smiling and they, they accuse the whole church of being friendly because you were smiling and somebody actually gets up in church and say, you know, I was healed when I came to this church. He said, well, when did it happen? When the door greeter touched me, the anointing went into my body. 
And instead of us trying to say, if I do this, then I'll be happy. What did God make you for? And sometimes God will let things be missing as a clue toward what we should do. Talk to us a little bit about, I think we're getting there, faith and identity. Those, those are two different things. Well, let's think of it this way. Faith is what I believe God can do. Identity is what I believe he can do through me. Mm. So faith can peak in a moment and I can have an experience of where I see God move supernaturally. But identity says I was made for this. And if this problem comes up, if you'll bring this to me, I can make a difference because God made me to do this specific task. And uh, uh, I, I just remember one time I, I saw this man and I was looking at him in the middle of a meeting and, and, uh, and I knew supernaturally his marriage was in trouble. So I went to the bishop over him and I said, uh, the Lord told me this man's marriage is in trouble. And he said, well, Dale, uh, that's true. Go back and pray until you get an answer. Now, listen, if you're a prophet and you can figure out what's wrong, that does not make you a good prophet. You have to figure out what to do to make it right. Who would want to go to a doctor who would open you up in the operation room and he'd lift up his hands. I knew it. I knew it. They have cancer. I am a doctor and leave and not help the person get rid mm. of the cancer. Right. Bishop, he challenged me and he said, you know, you God showed you the problem. Now go pray and, and, and ask God to give you the answer. Now I'm saying this to some of you because when you get problems, you stop there. But when you have a problem and say, God, if you show me the problem, show me what to do. Start praying and let, ask God what to do. So I went back and the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to invite them this man and this woman, he had already picked out his next wife. I didn't know this. Oh. And uh, I took him, I spent a thousand dollars of my money, took him to a place, counseled them for three days. And um, I fell on my knees the first night and I said, God, what are you doing to me? Because I don't know what to do. And I don't even like the guy. Uh, he was just getting on my nerves. And, you know, sometimes God will make you help people that you don't like, but you, you love them. You do it for Jesus. And so at the end of the three days, uh, taking them through it because I knew I had a gift. Their marriage was restored. He kept on in ministry till the day he died. And I actually became on his ministry board and he was, became a great friend and it actually inspired me. So there are other pastors that'll call me up and say, Dale, you know, I'm getting ready to build a building and I just want you to know, what should I do? I said, I know another pastor who's a great builder. You have the wrong guy. I'm not the expert on everything. Call him. He'll really help you. So part of our identity, we limit our assignments, but if we know other people that are really good at it, we point people toward them because they have a genius in that area. Right, right. And I know you, you move in a lot of wisdom, in the, in the gift of wisdom and uh, the, the supernatural gifts of wisdom and knowledge. And so that sounds to me like that would be something that if, if someone came to you and you knew that someone else could help them, that's what you were doing, isn't it? Yes, and that's part of a key. Now, um, some of you don't realize this, but you have a gift, but you've not tapped into it. I'm going to tell you just a little story. I had a pastor call me up, and he respected my prophetic. And he said, Dale, we're, we're in a rented building, and I just need to know where to go. 
And all of a sudden I saw him stepping out of the front door of his church that I preached in. And I saw him pointing a direction. I said, your church is off to the right. And it's going to be within, uh, I think it's going to be within a, three miles, a mile, something like that. I said, now you be led of the spirit, but I'm asking you to go in that direction. Well, he ended up buying a church in that direction. When I shared it with a group of pastors, I had in the end about 20 pastors call me up and say, Dale, tell me where, where my next building is. I need a building. And what I did was I thought it was a one-time thing, but I shared the testimony with another pastor. Then he got a building. But the most amazing thing that I love about the prophetic in this realm, this one pastor said, I feel there's a building due east, and it's and I feel it's three to five miles, and it's it's your building. He went over there. He said, "Dale, we've been praying for this this mall that we were gonna we were gonna get it. We've been believing for it. It confirms everything. I think." I said, "Now you're the pastor. You be led of the Spirit. I will not prophesy to you if you'll just lean into my prophetic gift alone. You're the pastor. You take your authority. Lead the church." What happened was that building was bought by somebody else right out underneath of him. He rented another place for two years later. Do you know what happened? Hmm. Two years later that building was sold to him for hundreds of thousands of dollars less by the person who bought it out from underneath of him. And he, he called me back in three years. He said, Dale, I'm right in the middle of this thing. What you prophesied come to pass yes. in God's word. So, but he had to walk it out. And a lot of times we don't like those little detours, but I empowered his identity as a pastor where he was spirit led using my word not having to just lean upon my word. And so that uh, there's no lazy laziness in following the Holy Spirit. We have to use our spirit in the timing of heaven. Yes, yes. You know what? I want to let everybody know about this wonderful package of resources that you have prepared, Dale. And it is your book, And David Perceived He Was King, plus your brand new and exclusive two-CD audio teaching called Shattering the Limitations of Pain. And this is about overcoming identity thieves things, lies, uh, circumstances that will steal your identity. And Dale, you have just done a masterful job in here in identifying these and helping people to identify them and to overcome them. So shattering the limitations of pain, overcoming identity thieves. And you've also provided a very unique and exclusive companion pamphlet. And this little pamphlet is called Your Destiny Tracking System. So if you are going after identity and your purpose and your destiny, for God's purposes in the world, then this is for you, your destiny tracking system. This will help you to just to get there, to accelerate where you're getting there, to know where you are, to know where to go next, prayers, activations, exercises. So I definitely want you to get that. And Sid will be here at the end of the program to let you all know exactly how you can get that. So be sure and listen for him. Dale, I want to keep moving on this. This is so powerful to me, uh, talking about identity. There's a line here that I just want to reiterate before we move on. Faith is knowing that God can do something. Identity is knowing that he can do it through you. Wow, have I struggled with that at times, saying, God, I know you can do this. I know you can do this. But how hard is it to say sometimes, I know you can do this through me. 
putting ourselves in there and and claiming that identity. Talk to us a little bit about establishing identity. How how important is that and how is that done? Well, the first thing is we establish our identity looking in the face of Father God. When Jesus was baptized, he had not done anything basically, but obeyed and gotten wet. (laughs) And a voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus lived from the pleasure of the Father in obedience. He was not living to gain the pleasure. He was living from it. And he was identified as a son. And so the Father identified him, and then he moved forward as the Son of God. And so this is critical. Think about it. Before Jesus even faced the devil, the Father identified him. Actually, if you go back, When Jesus was 12 years old, God the Father held a bar mitzvah for him in the temple and gave him wisdom that astounded the teachers. So the Father threw a bar mitzvah for Jesus. (laughs) Think about it. So, So in this, we have to understand that a lot of our parents, they they raised us saying, why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you be like your brother? And somehow, when that voice comes into our life, then when we come before God, why can't I be like this person or why can't I be like that person? Instead of celebrating the fact of, well, maybe I'm not as big as my brother but in sports, but maybe I have a creativity that's really going to help me in business in a very unique way that is different from my brother because I am unique and I am special in the eyes of God. When he created me, he was having a very good day. (laughs) And this is the truth. Until we really come into his anointing, it does not unlock the treasures within us in terms of our identity. And identity shifts come as we mature in the spirit. Some people, uh, I feel like it's probably five to seven major identity shifts that take us into our ultimate destiny. They're all building blocks. It's very important. And I just tell this story uh, just in baseball, going back again. You know, in high school, a young man strikes everybody out, hits home runs. He's simply that good. College, he strikes everybody out, and he gets on base almost all the time. And in professional baseball player, when he gets a contract, he strikes a lot of people out. He hasn't hit anything in three years, and he cannot be depressed. They call him the pitcher. In high school, he thought he was a home run hitter and a pitcher because he was simply that good. As you progress in your gift, you'll start seeing certain gifts come forward more prominent. Whatever you train in responds, and it grows as you train, as you move into it. If that's your genius, you'll get better. Like Michael Jordan he, he loved baseball and he loved basketball, but no matter how hard he trained in baseball, he never got any better. He went back to basketball. He wasn't the world's greatest athlete. He was one of the world's greatest basketball players. Just because he's athletic, if he'd have played baseball, we would not even know his name. He couldn't even get a position on a team he could have bought with the money he had. And, and so, so in the body of Christ, sometimes we're held up because I want to do this or I want to do that. Instead of saying, God, what did you make me mm, for? Yes. And where do I have fruit? If I don't have fruit in an area, 
then that's not my genius. But wherever I have fruit, I water it with more anointing. I, I study the Bible. I have talked to people that uh, they'll tell me what they do. They said, I, I have a, when I pray, uh, I, I know God answers my prayers. I said, so what I want you to do, every scripture you read, think of it in terms of prayer. Hmm. Don't think of it in subtopics, but get so specific that that you're looking for prayer in every story, how it affected, so that when you go out, you can be an expert in intercession and prayer. If you're a worship leader, look at every scripture through worship. And don't try to be the balance. Be your part and let other people bring their part. And together we create the balance. Wow, that is so great. So that is a key that God and the Holy Spirit uses to direct you along into your anointing, into your genius, into what you are called to do, into your purpose. Yes, and I tell people in my book, David perceived he was king. I said, ask your friends when they think of you, what do they what comes to their mind? This is the this is part of the problem. What we do out of the genius God has put in us, we do it without actually thought. And sometimes we're not aware that actually it's a gift because it comes so easy. Mm. I remember talking to a young man who was a Christian and he was very upset with his father, who was an alcoholic, who beat him and his mother. And he said to me, he said, my father didn't give me one thing. I said, I want to ask you, uh, what, what do you do? He said, I'm a businessman. I said, are you successful? He said, yes, I am. I said, I want to ask you a question. Was your father a successful businessman? He said, yes, as a matter of fact, he was. I said, do you think that came out of thin air? Because more is caught than taught. And I said, he was teaching you how to be successful. You need to thank God that did not come out of thin air. That, even though there's hurts and wounds, but if you honor that part of your father's life, that he gave you that gift, it will actually go better with you and you'll be more blessed. But he did not realize that gift actually came from his father. Mm, yes. Yes. And I, I bet you if uh, Michael Jordan asked 10 people, what do they say that he is or perceive him as? I bet you none of them say a baseball player. No. Nope. You know what? See, he loved baseball. Baseball did not love him. And so, you know, that guy that's now the professional pitcher, you know what? If he becomes 100% better as a batter, it doesn't even help the team. If he becomes 5% better as a pitcher, they're going to a pennant. Mm. 5%. Mm. If yes. He, you hear what I'm saying? If he's pitching a 100 mile an hour fastball, 5% faster, 105 is striking everybody out. Right, right. It's just that little bit. So they will keep giving him pitching practice over and over and changing. But when it comes to batting practice, just swing the bat yeah, and pray because it. we don't we don't need. <laughs> and you cannot be depressed that you have the lowest batting average. And we don't care if you strike out as long as when you pitch, everybody else does. 
<laughs> that, that is so right. Oh, I want to ask you this question. I know we're talking about how people perceive you. I look at you, Dale, and I listen to you and I read your material and I thought, you know what? This man has got it going on. I'm sure he's he's very prophetic. God uses him all over the world. You are very established in your identity as a, a minister, a preacher, an author. So you've probably never had a moment in your life where you felt inferior. Well, that's actually the opposite truth. <laughs> I thought and, so. Uh, yeah. And this is the part. Think about this for a minute. People that were had sicknesses under death are healed. They end up with healing ministries. Mm. So my grandfather was actually an orphan. My father was the oldest of of all the children raised by an orphan. He's now in heaven. And my grandfather, uh, the family would not acknowledge him. They tried to reach out and he would sit in the barn with a shotgun across his knees and thinking about suicide. He was adopted into an Amish home and then became Mennonite. He never was accepted. Uh, and I could see the effects of my father, even though he was spirit filled and really a lot of love, but I could see the fact that his father uh, really struggled with the orphan spirit who died very young in his early 50s. So then my father became the father, so to speak, of the larger family. And, and uh, you know, it was a struggle. So as my father and we were all spirit filled, I saw a tremendous change. But I also saw the struggle that came out of being raised by an orphan. That's you just, and so that caused me to start to look at how to be a father to other people as a pastor. Yes. And uh, I started, uh, I started having, I struggled because I always felt like I was average. When I was growing up, when I was 16, I was 5'4 and weighed 115 pounds. My sister, a year older and a year younger, I had two sisters on either side of me, a year apart. They were both taller than me. And my father called me shrimp. Oh, no. That did not help. No. And, and actually, in my senior year, some of you can't see me, but in my senior year, I literally grew seven to eight inches. I was knocking everything over. I was a late bloomer. Some of you are judging yourself, and you haven't even had your growth spurt in the spirit. You're trying to decide how to live your life, and uh, you haven't even come to the point of your growth spurt in the spirit. Oh, I love I remember, that. I, I remember a man 22 years old in front of me, and he said, I'm just, I'm so, I just don't know what I'm going to be, and I, I just feel like I have to know, and it's like God's, I need to know now, and I'm, I need to know, and I said, that's the right attitude. You have to be after it, but that will get you there. But don't don't freak out now. You're on a journey. You're on a journey, and this journey unfolds. But that passion is required before the Lord to come into everything God has for any of us. Wow! And you know what? Well, one of the one of the uh, key principles that you teach. Oh, man, I love this, Dale. You say no more comparisons. Don't do it. Stop it. No more comparisons. Comparisons is actually the, the trap of the enemy. Let's stop and think about this for a minute. If I say to my wife, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. Now, first thing she's going to do 
she's going to look around at other women and she said, they look more beautiful. Is he lying to me? Mm. If I say to her, you are beautiful, why do I need to say you're the most? If I say to some another pastor, you're the wisest man in the world, you may be wise in an area, but you're not the wisest. What What is it that we have to make that be the top? So I just think you're beautiful is 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 truth. But see, when people uh, in the world, they use favoritism and flattery. We in the body of Christ, we have confused favor and favoritism. Favor means that God's love is for everyone. Favoritism means it goes to one person. You're the most beautiful. Well, now you just got displaced. And if you're the most beautiful, then you have to keep everybody else beautiful down. You have to beat them down. If you're the richest, then you have to beat down other people that are gaining wealth, whatever it is. So you end up in this battle instead of enjoying your life and celebrating other people's accomplishments. And skill has a lot to do with us progressing in life. But when we have our skill, the things that we are good at, and we combine that and God adds his anointing, that's when, as you said earlier, come on now, get with me here, and we can go places. That's when we can go places. Yes. And I want to just talk a little bit about the anointing. When David was anointed by Samuel, that's when he killed the lion and the bear. Mm. This was not a result of David's ability as a, a warrior, but it was the anointing that rested on his life. And, uh, it, it says that, you know, David grabbed the lion by its its mane and he took the lamb out of its mouth. Now, anybody knows if you pull a lamb out of a hungry lion's mouth, you're lunch. Mm. But there must have been anointing on David. I wonder if it was like a Samson. It doesn't say he he hit him with a that he hit him with a stone. It doesn't say we don't know how he killed him but it doesn't sound like it was with a sling that he actually grabbed this lion and under the anointing killed that lion. And we don't know how he killed the bear, but the bottom line was it was the anointing that made David have those experiences. And I believe this, when the anointing comes over people, I've seen people do some of the most amazing things. I even saw a woman who could not play the piano. The anointing came over and she sat down and started banging on the piano and it was beautiful, but I would never allow her to play it in church. It was the anointing. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. not her gift. Yes. But see, now, if you get the anointing on your gift, now that's another whole level. And what I find is, I, I talk about Danny Goki. He, uh, he called me up one time and he said, you know, Dale, is it okay if I call you now and then uh, just to receive a prophetic word? And, and I said to him, I said, that's fine, you know. I had met him at a, a church, and that, and I said to him, I said, now, Danny, uh, you were made to worship. He went into this church, and they, I was there to speak, and they said, Danny, will you come on up and sing a song? Now, why did they ask him to come up and sing a song? Let me let me jump in here real quick, Dale, just for, for those that are listening that may not know who Danny Gokey is. Honestly, he's amazing. Look him up. But he came to fame through the TV show American Idol. And he was one of the ones that went all the way to the finals because he was gifted and he was anointed. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to interject yeah. that real quick. Yeah. And so so in this, 
he was at this church and they asked him to sing. Now they didn't ask me to sing because that's not <laughs> my gift. They knew not let him prophesy. So Danny gets up, they said, would well, you know my number one hit? He, they said, no, we don't know that. And then he said, well, do you know this worship song? And, and they did not know that song either. So he sort of turned around and he said, do you, he's sort of like, I think joking, do you know Jesus loves me? And the piano player was right on it. <laughs> and literally, as he sang, Jesus loves me, I have never heard it sang. He brought out an anointing. The place was about in tears because he has an anointing, not just to sing, but to worship and make you look into the Father's face. There's a gifting in him, and the anointing fell in that room like it was like the presence of the Father. It was amazing. I said, Danny, if they can call you and you can do that, I, I believe that if anybody stopped Billy Graham in front of somebody, say, Billy Graham, could you lead this person to the Lord? He oh, would yeah. say, well, you know, I don't feel the anointing. Billy no, Graham would lead no, them. No. If he stopped Marilyn Hickey, say, Marilyn, could you teach us something about faith? She could start teaching right there. So as a prophet, I said, when you call me up, I said, because this is what God made me for, that's when I step into it, the anointing hits me. I was leaving a meeting one time. It was quite phenomenal. I was even amazed as I left. And this one young man came up to me and he said, Dale, you know, that prophetic thing, you're really good at it. You're, you're amazing. I said, I know that's what I was made for. I said, I only have one question. What were you made for? Because whatever it is, it's really amazing. Now, think about this for a minute. When you do amazing things under the anointing, you actually bring glory to God. You bring attention that there is a God in heaven who's mighty. Now, if we served a small God, we should do something small. But if we serve a great God, we should believe for something great because that way he receives great glory. And my goal is to make him famous before I leave this earth yes. in the area that I he gave me a genius. And that is I hear God's voice and I speak into people's Prophetically, I release people's identity, not just giving them words of encouragement. Yes, yes. Whew, wow, that was powerful. Let me take just a second here and let everybody know one more time before we have to go about this resource package that you have prepared for everybody, Dale. It's Dale Mast's book, And David Perceived he was king. Plus, your brand new and exclusive two-CD audio teaching series, Shattering the Limitations of Pain, Overcoming Identity Thieves. And you're also going to get this unique and exclusive companion pamphlet. Let me tell you just a little bit about that. That's going to contain exercises, surveys, meditations, and prayers to cancel out any lies and also to cultivate God-given identity. And the content from this comes from the book, And David Perceived He Was King. So that is a powerful package that you can order for yourself, for your family, for your church, for your small group, and study it together. Just be sure and listen for Sid at the end of the program, and he will tell you exactly how you can get that. You know what, Dale? We have had such a wonderful time with you talking about identity and how important that is and how how that is life-changing when we know 
and we can perceive what is our identity? What is God calling us to? What is our purpose? I would love for you to pray and just talk for a minute to those out there. I could just feel when you were talking a moment ago and you were talking about about people coming into what they were genius at or what they were called for or what they were anointed for, what is that for you? If you could talk to each person individually that's listening right now, what would you say to them? Well, I want to start at the beginning. An evangelist wars for your soul. A prophet wars for your identity and assignments. So first of all, you need to read the Word of God because it contains the law and the prophets. It'll speak to your identity because it'll warm your heart. Then as you look into Father God, into His face and who He is, the part you're drawn to is the part He put inside of you. It's almost like a natural magnet. It'll draw you. Mm. As you worship, allow him to speak to you. Allow him open up your imagination. Let me say this. The devil has used our imagination that God gave us. It's time we let God use it because he's the one that put it in us. If you're spirit-led, your imagination is purified for the purpose of God. And it will actually where it says in the Bible, he will give you more than you can ask or imagine, but he wants you to imagine, to dream. Dreaming, you dreaming is equal to God thinking. If your dream is big enough for you to handle, it's not a God dream. It needs to be bigger that God needs to show up or it will not work. And I'm not saying be foolish, but I'm saying be purposeful and start pushing the limits, be under pastoral counsel, ask, submit your ideas to other people who have succeeded. But when you find people that you're drawn to what they're doing, it's probably because your purpose is the same. And be natural, be supernatural, but don't limit God by your previous victories. There could be areas God's going to use you in. I never thought I'd write a book that people would enjoy. I actually had a judgment against myself, and yet God did it through me. So I had to change the way I see myself. And so do each of you. And with God's help, you're going to see yourself differently, and you're going to do different things that actually change other people's lives. I want to end with this. If you don't fulfill your destiny, it'll be harder for other people to reach theirs. Mm. We don't need humility. We need people to stand up, make a difference in somebody else's life. And that's the way I know I've fulfilled my destiny when other people win, not just when I win. Yes, yes. Wow, I'm going to leave with one last word from me, and then, Dale, I would love it if you would pray for everyone. But the uh-huh. word, this word, I mean, I actually wrote this down, and I printed it out. Faith believes that God can do it. Identity believes that God can do it through me. Whew, that is so strong. And so I'm just saying to you that are listening, faith believes. You know that God can do it. Identity believes that God can do it through you. So we thank you so much for joining us. Dale, will you close us in prayer, please? Yes. And Father, I thank you that, Lord, by your Spirit, you are speaking to each heart. You're speaking to each heart right now, and you're drawing their heart into your heart. And in that heart, Lord, you're revealing revelation of who you've made them and who they are to you. And I thank you, Father God, that we are your workmanship. And I speak this over you. He is doing a work in you and doing a work through you 
to do a work in this earth and you are significance. I speak breakthrough, I speak anointing, and I speak a revisioning of your life the way Father God sees you. And you are gonna be a life changer to other people. You're going to help other people. I declare this, you are anointed to help other people. Amen, amen, amen. Dale, thank you so much for being with us. And now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get Dale's book, And David Perceived He Was King, plus his brand new and exclusive. You know what that means. You can't get that anywhere else. So please make sure you get that. Brand new and exclusive two-CD audio teaching called Shattering the Limitations of Pain, Overcoming Identity Thieves. And you'll also get this unique and exclusive companion pamphlet, Your Destiny Tracking System. Sid? Dale Mass's primary gifting is that of a prophet, which explains why his life-changing message on identity is more than just a teaching. It's literally a revelation from God. Dale says it is the key to all supernatural anointing and success in life. Dale's book, And David Perceived He Was a King. It's a game changer. It will help you become the you that God created when he decided he really needed you on his planet. So don't give up on your dreams, your purpose, or your true identity. It's time to revision your life, to see yourself the way God sees you. You can get Dale's very unique book, and David perceived he was king, plus his brand new and exclusive two CD audio teaching series, Shattering the Limitations of Pain, Overcoming Identity Thieves, and also a unique and interactive companion pamphlet, Your Destiny Tracking System, for an investment of 35 US dollars. To order, call 1 800 447 2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9812. Once again, offer number 9812.